Hello, my name is Jacob Stiegald. I am a member of uh, DDA5, and my capstone is called COVID-19 Behind Bars. Ooh, all righty. There's a lot to unpack there, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. But first, what were you doing before Nashville Software School? How did you decide to get into this new career path? Uh, absolutely. You know, journey of a thousand miles, right? Single step. Um, well, before I came to Nashville Software School, I was actually a special education teacher. I worked for a nonprofit here in Greenville, South Carolina, called the Project Hope Foundation. And I did educational and vocational work with children diagnosed with autism. Uh, for the past six years, I was a special ed teacher in their private school called Hope Academy. And for the last year of my time there, I was a program director design, designing a, uh, a vocational educational hybrid program to help kids who were not quite ready to transition into a traditional school environment to build both functional academic skills as well as job skills so they could sort of head out into the community. Uh, we worked with a lot of community partners to uh, uh, to place interns in their work and to help kids be prepared for the real world after school. Wow, that's wonderful. There's a lot of mission and impact and all that kind of work. So that sounds really cool. How did you decide to step away from that, though? Well, I had done it for, I'd been working with kids on the autism spectrum for about 12 years. And um, I think that like everyone, the pandemic sort of took its toll on me. And uh, the kids didn't change, the job didn't change, but I changed in some level. Um, uh, early in 2021, unfortunately, I lost my mother. And it sort of sparked a, a chance to, to look at my life again and decide sort of where I wanted to spend the rest of it. And I decided that it was time uh, for a change and to move into something that I found um, interesting and exciting. Um, a former NSS alumni, Jen Whitson, uh, actually is a good friend of my sister's, and she suggested that I take a look at NSS. Uh, data has always been something that I was interested in. Uh, we, we used a lot of data in my previous job. Um, we would do a, a great deal of data analysis in order to set goals, academic goals for the kids, program goals for us, um, in order to make sure that the decisions we were making and the paths we were choosing were the optimal ones. And so I already had sort of a, a base level affection for data and NSS has helped me really dive into that and find something that I thought was just going to be a job, but turned out to be something that I was very interested in. Nice. Okay. And so congrats on going through this, you know, sticking to it. It's a, uh, it's a heavy lift, right? Over three months, full time doing, you know, learning some new things. It's uh, you made it. That's true, you know, but time flies, right? Time flies when you're having fun. And uh, and so I, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, except for that first week of sequel. Um, but other than that, it was a, a great deal of fun and very interesting. Again, I got into it looking just for a job. Um, and on the other side of it, I found something that I'm passionate about and interested in and excited about pursuing beyond this. Good deal. Well, how about we talk about all this fun you've been having and what you've been working on? Let's talk about your project. It sounds like it's... Uh, there's a lot of things here, so I want to talk through what it is and then how you built it. Sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, as I said before, the the pandemic has had a great effect on me and it's had a great effect on all of us. It's changed the way we do business. It's changed the way we, th we think about each other. It's changed the way that we approach sort of our daily life. 
And um, one of the things that I have always been interested in and fascinated by and concerned about is the way that COVID has managed to sort of attack kind of the margins of society. Um, it is, you know, uh, it has affected people of color, the poor, um, individuals in poor health much more than it has affected other people. And one of the places where a lot of those marginalized groups converge is within our justice system. And so I, I set out to look at COVID rates um, within the U.S. prison system. Um, my initial hypothesis was to look at the differences in COVID rates between um, publicly funded prisons, so federal, state, and local prisons, versus privately run for-profit prisons, um, which has sort of proliferated here in the United States. Uh, unfortunately, I ran into a roadblock pretty early on. Um, federal, state, and local prisons are required to report their numbers to the Department of Corrections. Uh, unfortunately, private for-profit prisons are not required to report their numbers in any way. So the data that I wanted was not available to me. And so I sort of had to refocus my project and instead looked at um, rates of COVID amongst prisons based on their funding sources. So whether they are uh, federal, state, local, or an immigration uh, prison, and what sort of um, conclusions we could draw by looking at those numbers. Man, that's that is just so much. It's when you were pulling the data you could get access to, what kind of learnings did you have and, and how did you arrive to those? Sure. Yeah, it was um, it was actually the problem here turned out to be, as opposed to my first roadblock, my second roadblock is not that there uh, isn't the data. It is that there is so much data and from so many different places uh, that it was sort of difficult to find. Um, I attacked it in in a couple of different ways. I wanted to get as clear and complete a picture as possible. However, most reporting spaces only have portions of the data. Um, prisons are required to report their numbers, but they're not required to do it in any sort of time frame. And so some of the numbers were underreported, et cetera. And not every uh, reporting service had access to all of the numbers. And so I became sort of a hodgepodge of aggregation where I was pulling data from many different places. Uh, I started initially with a nonprofit called the Marshall Project. And the Marshall Project, uh, they are a nonprofit online journalism organization that focuses on issues related to criminal justice in the United States. Um, they were my first resource, but they actually stopped tracking data in June of 2021. So I needed to supplement their numbers. And so I ended up pulling that information from a couple of different places. One place was the UCLA School of Law. They picked up tracking where the Marshall Project stopped. And their data is like freely available to pull off of GitHub. It's updated twice weekly. It's a gross. Uh, I also found another group called the COVID Prison Project. Uh, they are a, an interdisciplinary public health scientists from universities across the country, uh, UNC Chapel Hill, the University of Miami, and Emory University, which is actually where I went to college. Uh, they identify that they needed like a public-facing database that provides recent data on the state of COVID within the correctional facilities. Unfortunately, they don't have their information in kind of an easily grabbable format, so I ended up having to web scrape uh, web scrape their information and then dump it all into Python and and sort it and clean it and merge it all together into a nice data frame that I could uh, do something with. Uh, and so we once there, I cleaned it everything up, so it got it looking pretty, and then moved it over to Power BI 
in order to create uh, my sort of my actual deliverable for my capstone, which is an interactive map of prison facilities across the country. Hey, I think you've done a great job explaining and outlining this. It is it's a tough topic and especially add on COVID and you know, I know it's limited amount of time you can work on all this. Sure. If you had a couple more months, what would you continue wanting to grow with on this particular project? Because there's just so much potential with this. Correct. And I, th- I think the biggest point of growth here is going to be um, to compare COVID rates within prisons to sort of the COVID rates of the communities outside of them. Um, we think of sort of prisons as insular places, but they are in fact not. There are a great number of visitors and employees who interact both with the prisoners, with the inmates, and with the people outside of the communities, uh, and how the COVID rates within prisons either compare positively or negatively with the COVID rates outside. I also think that the introduction of the new Omicron variant is going to change things up here. Um, The COVID rates in prisons had actually been going down, um, mostly because of federally mandated vaccination within uh, federally funded prisons. But um, with the introduction of the Omicron variant, it's much more contagious. And um, because of that, I anticipate these numbers are going to begin to rise again, um, which is something that I just haven't had time to incorporate within the stuff that I'm doing because I did a lot of this uh, before the Omicron really hit us hard. And so uh, I think that, that would be a really interesting path to follow uh, to see sort of to see sort of where that goes. There's also the added element of uh, voluntary releases of prisoners during during the pandemic. A lot of um, a lot of states and federally, they mandated that high risk prisoners, individuals who were elderly or had pre existing conditions, who had been convicted of nonviolent crimes, many of them had there was a recommendation for their sentences to be commuted, for them to be moved out of prisons for their health and well being, and for the health and well being of everybody else. Uh, unfortunately, only about 10% of the people who were recommended for that to happen has that actually happened um, because that is actually finally in the hands of the wardens and the individuals who run the prisons themselves. Uh, and I would be interested to see how how public policy is bent in that direction, as well as to see what happens when those individuals are released into the communities. Is there what the recidivism rate is, as well as what the spread of COVID is like once they are released from those prisons? Good deal. Well, I am very thankful for your time and attention today to talk through this and to, to share your passions, share what you've been working on. So my final question for you. It, you know, for all these new skills and, and tools that you've been learning, what do you want to work on next? What do you think the future might look like? That is a great question. Um, I We've talked about some pretty heavy stuff here, and um, I, I'm glad that my last answer is going to be something a little more lighthearted. Uh, I think that ideally um, I would really love to do something in uh, sports data analysis. Um, I am a big sports fan and have found a new love of, of this sort of data analysis. And every time I see, every time I'm watching football and I see some very obscure statistic that pops up on ESPN, that's like, this is the first time that a sophomore quarterback has ever thrown for 350 yards and run for 50 yards in this particular round of the playoffs. I know that like some data analysis analysts like me came up with that statistic and it gives me hope that I can find a nice job for a college or university or a professional football team uh, doing some kind of data aggregation and analysis. Ooh, okay. You know, there's actually, uh, there's a couple of outfits running that data out of uh, middle Tennessee. 
Oh, good to know. I'll have to send you some info on those. So, I anyway, hey, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time and looking forward to staying in touch. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Clark.